Hello and welcome to today's edition of the Business Excellence Podcast. My name is Rail Bricker, coming to you from Perth, Western Australia. And with me, as usual, my co-host from Brisbane, Australia, Lindsay Adams. Hello and welcome. For a value added extra, excellencepodcast.com has heaps of free resources for you to download. That is excellencepodcast.com. And today, our special guest is Ramon Newman. He's the co-founder and CEO of New Mavericks, a global leadership development consultancy based in Los Angeles, Melbourne, and Sydney. He's worked with lots of CEOs and execs, billion-dollar, billion-revenue companies. Goodness me, mate, that sounds really impressive. Welcome. Thank you, Raelle, Lindsay. Great to be here. And so... um, you you got a bit of an accent, which is not not an American <laughs> accent. What's going on there? You, you're living in Los Angeles, but where are you from originally? Uh, yeah, I'm just across the ditch there, mate, uh, in New Zealand. And uh, I've been in the States. I left New Zealand when I was 20 and been in the States pretty much 25 years. Uh, oh. I still have the accent, so uh, apologies for any mispronunciations. And <laughs> if you understand me, just add vowels because we all know that the Kiwis love to butcher the English language. Indeed, some would accuse the Australians of that, but anyway. <laughs> um, tell me a little bit about the background. I mean, I, uh, reading your bio, it's 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 like a carefully targeted shotgun. Okay, a full time meditating monk, a trained actor, philanthropist, and you graduated from a little university in Auckland. Um, how do all those things come together and make you who you are today? Uh, yeah, I was like. For me, it's like I didn't. I had a vision of what I wanted to be. You know, graduating from the University of Auckland with my Bachelor in Commerce degree in marketing, and was already to kind of embrace the world. But there was a kind of a backstory that kind of led me off to into another path. So I was a competitive athlete. I ran track and cross country and and rugby. Played rugby for ten years, both those sports. Won national, regional, provincial titles in both sports. And I was had an Olympic gold medal winning coach. He was actually John uh, Walker's coach, Arch Jelly. Um, John Walker, as you may know, won the 76 Olympics in the 1500 meters, first man to run uh, three minutes, 50 seconds in the mile. And so Arch said to me, he said, you know, you, you're going really well, you're progressing really well, and if you keep up your training, you stay healthy, there's no reason why you can't go to the Olympics. So when something like that gives you that sort of edification, you go, okay, well, I'm all in for this. You know, it sounds, sounds fantastic if you see potential in in me so i was all in for that and i was really good at putting in the training and the miles and, and, and you know i was performed well you know and, and making progress and there's one thing that I, I fell short of um when i i found out you know what i was missing when i misqualified for the world junior championships being a top three you know junior athlete i wanted to get to the international level and the junior world champs is one of the ways to get on the international stage so I missed qualifying for that by a couple of seconds and I got very sick and very ill afterwards. A lot of respiratory problems, a lot of digestive problems. You know, I felt like I was an insomniac coughing all night for about six months and I got very depressed and felt like I'd lost my sole purpose in life. And so I, you know, you know, I did the typical thing, you know, you kind of push your emotions down, you tend to numb it by drinking more, eating more, you know, dating whoever seems interested. And that didn't really work. It just amplified the pain and, and depression I was going through. And I realized, ah, oh, 
I'm, I'm, there's something missing. There's something missing in the way I'm approaching my life uh, and achieving and progressing in life. And it was really that inner development. And I was very good at doing outer development stuff, taking action and, and putting in the, in the work and the miles and the work, but I wasn't good at recovering. I wasn't good at kind of really developing my mind to just be more coherent. And I just had a lot of random energy that wasn't really, you know, focused in, in doing what needed to be done without overdoing it. So I learned to meditate because there were some athletes in the squad that were meditating to recover and rest better and, and rejuvenate themselves. So I learned TM, Transcend Meditation, uh, when I was 19. And it was, a, it was like the first time I realized I wasn't that relaxed as I thought I was. And that experience of allowing the mind to more fully settle and settle down into more relaxed you know, state was just so profound to me. And I realized that beyond all this kind of thinking and feeling that we do is this underlying value of, of awareness and consciousness. And another way to describe it is just bliss, you know. And I realized that, you know, achievement ultimately isn't the goal. The goal is to be fulfilled in who you are. And then your achievement is a byproduct of that. So once I started to develop myself on more that deeper spiritual level, I kind of like my life shifted from being so outwardly focused and externally focused to being more inwardly directed. And I was just charmed by that experience. So I wanted more of it. So I graduated from the University of Auckland and I got one of these work visas to go and work in the States for three months uh, doing whatever you wanted. And I decided that I wanted to go to this university in the middle of Iowa um, to experience more of this, what they call consciousness-based education. So it's a PhD level university, but they encourage the students to develop themselves through meditating, developing their brain physiology, making it more coherent. And they found that world-class athletes, business leaders, musicians, when they're performing at their best, making their best decisions, they actually have a unique style of brain functioning. And, and what they call it in neurophysiology uh, is global alpha coherence. So what that means in layman's terms is they're simply able to be more awake and alert, be more relaxed and rested, and be able to see those bigger pictures, see those uh, finer details to fulfill those bigger pictures, and allow things to happen more more naturally and more organically. And so, you know, usually the, the top leaders, they're working hard, but they're not working hard because they're functioning from a state of simplicity and really in that natural state, you know, where you're not overthinking things, you're not underthinking things, you're just in tune with the right thought at the right time. So I was very curious about that development, you know, for myself, having burnt out as an athlete, I, I realized that I needed to develop more of my inner potential, more of that coherent brain functioning. So I was at the university for a few years. And then after that, I decided I really want to do this full time. I really just want to spend full time in personal self-development, in developing, you know, this, this inner value of my consciousness. And so I, I found out there was a, a campus in North Carolina, in the Blue Ridge Mountains, just outside Boone, North Carolina. And you could go there and you could meditate eight hours a day, seven days a week. And there was two campuses, a men's and a woman's campus. There was uh, men and women from all different countries and nationalities and ethnics and, and religions. And they just wanted just people that wanted to have that deep inner experience. And so I was going to do that for one year. And then I was going to go back into the world and, and, and conquer the world. Uh, after one year, I go, wow, this has been really profound. I'm really enjoying this lifestyle. I'm getting a lot out of it. And I feel very purposeful in doing it. So I decided to do another year and then another year and another year. And, and one, two, three years evolved into 
into 10 years. So as you can tell, I got a little bit of an addictive personality. When I get hold of something, I want to do it as fully as possible until you know I either make it or break it. So, so how do we how do we translate this into business results? Um, um, you know, I love the the concept. Um, you know, I'm a great believer in meditation. I love this term global alpha coherence, but how do we translate that into business results? Okay, so the great example that we have is that we work with a gentleman by the name of Mark Waller. Mark Waller was CEO of the year in 2010 uh, in New Zealand, and it was the first year that we worked with him. The company was doing about a a billion dollars, and over seven years it evolved working with him to a $7 billion company. And so Mark eventually got inducted in 2019 to the New Zealand Business Hall of Fame. So we worked with him basically for the last 10 years of his career. And there was one moment uh, where he saw an opportunity to double the size of the company for the reverse merger acquisition. So his smaller, better performing company acquiring a slightly bigger, less performing company. And he goes to his major shareholders wanting to get their support to make this happen. And they say, no. We don't want to do this. We don't want to, because we believe this company is going to ruin our stock price, our culture, and our, the performance of the company. So he comes back to us and goes, guys, you know, I know, you know, this is the right thing to do to stabilize our position in, in the industry and in this geographic region, but I'm not getting support from a major shareholders to do it. And what do I do? And so we said, well, you can either take the, the hard route and just continue to hammer and nail and try and really convince these people to, to understand you, or we can just work on you really owning this reality more fully, more clearly inside yourself so that you naturally project it and people naturally buy and believe that you can do this. Because at the end of the day, it's not really the idea. It's really whether we think that person, that leader has the capacity to pull it off. This is the reason why Elon Musk gets so much money because he's just so convincing. He's so deeply believed in what he's doing that people go, well, I haven't got anyone, you know, where else to put this money. This guy seems so confident and certain what he's doing. Let's give it to him and see what he, he does with it. So Mark was in this position. And so we worked on Mark really going deep, you know, and so we, we, we got him meditating. We got him like really kind of getting clear why he wanted to make this deal happen, why it was so important and really owning it in his, at the deepest level of himself. And so after a few weeks, we said, okay, we think, we think you really got this. We think this is like something that, you know, you truly believe in that you can truly make happen. And so he, he goes back to the major shareholders and tells them again, and, you know, it wasn't even a long talk and they go, oh, yeah, we, we should do this. You know, they, they kind of magically said, oh, OK, we don't, you know, we believe you now. You know, it's not that, you know, we thought the idea was bad, but we now believe that you are projecting the right energy here to make this happen. So they agreed to support them. So that was the first obstacle overcome. The second obstacle is making the deal work. Long hours, tight time frames, many multiple no-go hurdles, many possibilities for stress. And Mark said he, he felt like he was literally the eye of the storm. He was very calm. He was very relaxed. And the deal fell into place. And the reason why he can be so calm and relaxed, because within himself, he's already seen it. He's already owned it. He's already created the reality within himself. He's so clear about it that naturally the environment picks up on it and starts to support him and, and making it happen. Okay, so... So let me ask you a question. When Lindsay and I both actually in different in different contexts do goal setting with people, uh, one-on-one or with a team, one of the things we try and get them to do is a visualization. 
yes. where they already see themselves having achieved the goal. Yes. Okay. And then, then their brain can't distinguish between having achieved it or it's still being achieved. How yes. does that, that, that idea fit in? Like Mark seemed to be absolutely convinced that he was going to achieve this goal and, and everyone went along on that journey. Yes. Yes. And, and that comes down to this value of coherence, right? So there's so many incoherent negative things and stresses that can get in the way of our thinking, of our communicating, in our environment. And those incoherences are inherently weak. They present themselves as very strong, but they're inherently weak. So when you get a strong, coherent leader, then naturally they kind of, and they can see things that other people can't, then naturally they wake up other people. Their coherence diffuses all that incoherence in other people's minds, and they get to see it also, and then they start to align with that leader. So that's why it's so important that a leader is not just based on what can I gain, but also that I'm developing myself in the process so that I get good support for what I desire. You know, so it's a, it's a combination of having the clear desire, but then also allowing that greater organizing power because we can't do everything on our own. You know, if we're just relying on our individuality, we're not going to get far. So it's allowing that desire to seep into the minds of others because you are so coherent and projecting it and owning it that they naturally want to, you know, align with you. You know, and, you know, I believe ultimately the best leaders, they come from a, a state of simplicity. They have a high degree of ability to unify people through their coherence and they have a, a strong degree of truthfulness, you know, because what, what's truthful ultimately triumphs. So essentially we're talking about personal development strategies here. So how can you implement these to actually increase your company's revenue? What's, what's the steps for our listeners? So basically what we did is we took uh, Anthony Robbins, Tony Robbins' Science of Achievement, and we went a little bit deeper with it. So you may know the Science of Achievement that Anthony Robbins, you know, kind of talks about is, you know, focus plus massive action plus grace, you know, which is another word for having support, good fortune from your environment. So we thought, okay, that's great. You know, this is how we all basically achieve and, and progress in life. But sometimes, you know, things get in the way, interferes with that process, and, and we don't really get the outcomes that we want. So we realized there has to be a, a deeper science. We call it the science of protection, right, that protects your science of achievement. So we kind of came up with six steps. Uh, the first step was being able to purify things. You know, sometimes there's ideas or things floating around a company that are really not the best idea for right now. And so it's being able to purify what is, what is important, what is relevant, what is timely, and then being able to, you know, see, see what's real, right? So it's clarifying that first, and then it's being able to, like, create that coherence, you know, between, you know, what the desire is, between the actions, between the people involved, and then being able to integrate that into what we call a leadership state, you know. A leadership state is where someone is really awake to what is truthful and what is going to basically neutralize any threats or problems, and it's also going to be able to see the best opportunities to really get focused on and lead forward. And then it's about knowing that there's enough capacity within an individual, within a team, within a company to handle the great opportunity or to be able to handle the great problems that could come up pursuing this opportunity. 
And then through that capacity, when people have good capacity to handle things, what the desire or the intent uh, to create better revenue, then they're, they're able to execute with spontaneous right action. They just know what's timely, what's relevant to do, and what's going to be evolutionary for the company to do. And that, you know, putting out that value, whatever value they're putting out, then that builds up positive energy, which we call uh, deserving power, Tony Robbins calls grace. But it's like you build up so much good merit, you know, so much value that you've given to the market that the market can't resist what you're offering because it's what they want also because those previous steps have determined, you know, this is what needs to be delivered to the market or this particular market to solve this particular problem. So, yeah, because, you know, we can have, you've probably seen in your own lives, you know, there's companies that have really good products. They probably have the, the best product, but somehow the, the team isn't right. You know, the, the way that they're, they're conducting themselves and caring about things is, is not kind of the right behavior in some way. So we've seen you know, companies that don't have the best product, but they have a really good unified team that's really coherent and they tend to do better, you know, because ultimately it's people that are making business happen, not just a product. Well, you you said something interesting way back early on, and now it sort of makes sense. But when your you, you, when your client Mark went to his shareholders the first time, it, their concerns and maybe the order you put them was was not you know was just random. But you said their concerns were affecting the stock price and damaging the culture of the organization. Now yes. I'm very I'm. I do a lot of my work professionally in the world of culture, but, yes. but it was interesting how their first concern was the stock price and then the culture. And now you've mentioned it again, you know, about the people and having, you know, maybe the second best product, but the best culture, you know, yes. how, how important is that for, for leaders? And that's what you do as a leadership consultant or leadership development business. What do they have to do to, to maintain that rich and robust culture? Great question. Fantastic question. So you're obviously familiar with that saying that uh, culture eats strategy for breakfast, right? So, In fact, one of my keynotes is called if culture really ate strategy for breakfast, what's for dinner? Yeah, exactly. Great. So I'm glad you've elaborated on it. And we've also elaborated on that from our perspective is that we say consciousness eats culture and strategy for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, right? So in terms of having a robust culture, then you want to develop the consciousness of the company. Now, what is consciousness? It's a really big abstract word. So what we can say consciousness is, is that which is aware of itself, that which is awake to itself, that which is awake to what's really going on right within a market within an individual within a team so the more the individuals are able to heighten their awareness heighten their consciousness by allowing their mind to go beyond just the the conscious mind which really just takes care of the logical things in life and then even going beyond the subconscious mind which is where we dream and we imagine and we come up with our ideas but really getting to the source of where these ideas come from in the first place right, which is a field in physics, they call it a unified field. So consciousness is a unified field. So the more that you're in that, that field of, of unity that is really picking up on the right thought at the right time, then the more that you'll find that things harmonize a lot better and strengthen the culture, which allows better strategy to come out, which allows better execution of that strategy to come out. 
So a lot of companies, uh, you know, are working on their culture, which is great, the values and stuff like that. But really, where are those values coming from? Where's that culture coming from? It's coming from an individual's consciousness. So the more that there's an expanded consciousness in the company that people are developing their consciousness, then the more that you'll find that strategy or and culture is robust and, and is able to adapt, you know, because the consciousness is like a field of all possibilities. But ultimately, you want to be awake to what is the best possibility. So does does that mean that th- that you know companies moving in the spiritual realm for their teams, and I, and I call it spiritual because it is partly spiritual. But and you oh. may correct me, you know, go back to the Google of fifteen years ago with the beanbags on the floor and the multicolored cushions, or have we gone past that? No, I think it's it's a more practical than that. I mean, for example, Ray Dalio who you guys probably know runs probably one of the most successful hedge funds in the world. Uh, he accredits his meditation, like he does TM, Transfer Meditation, which is what I learned. Very simple, effortless mental technique that a lot of top performers have, have embraced, from Oprah to Alan DeGeneres to Katy Perry to Clint Eastwood. He's been doing like 10 for like 40 years. He's still 92 producing films. Uh, Martin Scorsese's. So this technique he accredits as one of his number one keys to you know how he's created this this amazing hedge fund and like half his employees you know practice this this technique they don't have to practice it in in a group although i think they do have like rooms where an individual if they're you know in the day they want to just step out and, and meditate refresh their mind so they can come back and be more productive in their work so i think it's allowing individuals to take time out to refresh their mind and, you know, allow their mind to be more coherent is, is a very important part of, I think, becoming every culture. And I've noticed, I don't know what's going on in terms of Australia, but in America, you've probably heard about this thing called the Great Resignation, where millions of people have just been resigning from their jobs. And what's coming out of that is that they're finding that about 50% of those people are actually leaving because of health reasons. And a majority of those health reasons are, are mental you know, people aren't able to cope so much now. They don't want to be in the environment where it's so stressful or they're at risk of something, or they just don't have the capacity to, to handle the responsibilities that they've got. So they're starting to, you know, check out of the workforce to find something that's more suitable for them. So I think, you know, a lot of people are, you know, I know in corporates are, here in America are starting to have what they call the stay interview, you know, what's going to, allow you to, to stay. And a lot of people are saying, hey, I just need to feel good here. I need to have a sense of well-being that my potential is being recognized and I'm able to grow my potential here. So I think, you know, growing people along with growing business is, is definitely a, a winning formula going forward. Well, I would love to uh, stay talking with you longer, but sadly my job on this podcast is to keep us to time and we're out of time. So uh, should our listeners want to get in touch with you and explore maybe uh, meditation or, or some of your business processes, what's the best way yeah. for them to do that? Sure. So you can go to newmavericks.com uh, and you also can find me on LinkedIn under Ramon Newman, spelled R-A-A-M-O-N and double A's there. And uh, yeah, and if you go to our website, you'll see there's a leadership protection uh, quotient we call it the the pq assessment protection quotient and it gives you like an assessment of where you're at in terms of your ability to protect yourself and your progress as a leader 
So that's a free assessment. And if you take that assessment, then we'll also offer you a free copy of our ebook, The Science of Protection, How Leaders Gain an Unfair Advantage to Create Stellar Success. And if you want, you can also jump on a free complimentary call with us and we can explore where you're at and what you want to protect, protect and enhance in terms of your progress as a leader. Excellent. We love free stuff. Thanks, Ramon, for joining us today. Thanks so much, guys. Thank you very much, Ramon. Thank you to my co-host, Lindsay Adams. This is Rail Bricker signing off for another edition of the Business Excellence Podcast with a reminder to pop along to excellencepodcast.com where you can find a number of free resources to download that will help you on your journey to excellence in both business and in life.